Welcome to the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Bori Oludemi and I'm joined by Sulaimon Lassisi. Um, I'm just short of words because this week has opened my eyes to, to just pure entertainment. And it's crazy to see the scorelines and the upsets, all, that, all of that happened in one week. And I am still in shock, to be honest, and I don't know how I'm going to get through this podcast. But, uh, Sulaiman, I don't know how you're feeling. I'm shell-shocked. I am surprised by the variance in quality of these top European teams. And just, just looking out from, just from a, a fan's perspective, it's interesting to see that I could sit here a week ago and say that Barcelona had a chance against Bayern Munich. I just from reviewing how the game went and all of the other games that we saw, it's like you said, it's a learning opportunity. It's a humbling experience to just see how there's a wide ranging level of quality between these European teams. And I can't wait to get into the details with you. Yes. And for our listeners out there, we are going to be talking about, obviously the European league is still going on. So we will be discussing the quarterfinals and, uh, and of course, we can't stay away from the Champions League highlights of this week. I mean, tremendous games. But let's start out, let's start real quick with the uh, Europa League. Just looking at the games, uh, I mean, they, no surprises here. I think everyone, everyone, every team won that, that should have won. I think the only surprise here would be uh, United only scoring a goal against Copenhagen. And it looked like United were off the pace and they kind of reminded me of the the previous United before, you know, uh, Bruno Fernandes. Um, what are your feelings about this game? And, and do you think uh, maybe this is a result of United just not caring about this trophy or, or maybe they just had a bad game? They definitely cared about a trophy. They fielded a very strong team and they had chances, but kudos and credit due to Carl Johan Johnson, the Copenhagen goalkeeper and the entire defense. So United played a good game. They had a few shots hit the woodwork definitely they couldn't convert it but i think copenhagen's defense was stellar and you know united has this relationship with pks it's like the gifts that keeps on giving so they got another pk and that was their they get out of jail card but very impressive performance by the copenhagen defense Yes, very impressive. And United is playing Sevilla. As you know, I've picked Sevilla as my favorite team to win the Europa League uh, this season. Uh, but let's switch on to the Wolves-Sevilla game. Um, this was no surprise. But the, the one surprise was Jimenez, I think, missing. Was this his first PK that he missed all season? At club level, that was definitely his first PK miss. He had played at Benfica before playing at Wolves, and he had never missed a PK. But... In his entire career, it was a second. So he has converted 26 out of 28 PKs. And it's just amazing how tame that PK was. But due credit to Bono for making him commit before moving from the line. I do believe a lot of it is nerves, uh, obviously. I mean, he was probably nervous and it makes sense. I mean, this is the first time Wolves would have gone to the semifinal of the Europa League, I, I think, I believe. I'm not, I'm not a history buff here of, of Wolves. But uh, uh, I feel like maybe this was going to be the first time going to the semifinals um, in the Europa, Europa League. Uh, but let's move on to Inter Milan, Leverkusen. The only person I want to talk about here is Lukaku. I remember that 
you know, a, a year or so ago, uh, a lot of people were, you know, shaming Lukaku and, and calling him probably a very bad striker. But now he's on 31 goals for Inter Milan in all competitions. Um, how good is this guy? His hold-up and link-up play is very solid. You cannot find a better striker in the world right now that can hold the ball with the back towards goal and lay it off to another player. There's no better player than Lukaku in the world right now. So Inter Milan knows what he can do, and they're using him so well for that. So in that regard, he's great. He's without peers or anyone you can compare him to. But if you want to talk about finishing, that's a whole different topic for another day. But for this team, is the best they can get in the entire footballing world, and they have him, and they're so happy to have him. Yes, I, and you're right. I mean, this is what Conte is, is looking for in, in a player like him. You know, hold up, hold up play and let uh, Lautaro Martinez or, or Alexis Sanchez run beyond him and give the ball to them. And it's, I mean, as much as I don't think Conte is, is a very modern, is a good modern, modern coach, um, I, I think I got to give him credit for being able to uh, make Lukaku into such a very phenomenal player. I, I mean, I, I don't know, like, like he, 31 goals seems like a lot for his career, uh, at least in the top top five league. Um, uh, but but such an amazing player, very class player, um, and, and I'm happy for him. Uh, but finally, Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, honestly, I didn't watch this game, but I know Shakhtar Donetsk came from the Champions League, and they are no look. You can't look past this team, and <clears throat> they are tied. They're going to be uh, playing with uh, Inter Milan uh, on Monday. Um, do you have any predictions for this for this? Uh, for this tie, or do you have any? What, what do you think Shakhtar Donetsk could do in this game? They're the dark horse left in this team. I, I, the remaining four teams, I know the remaining three teams, I know very well. I've seen play. I haven't seen Shakhtar play as much, but they're the dark horse. And what I what I just caught from the glimpses I saw of their games are actually the fact that they play free flowing. They they. It's not tiki-taka, but they're very fluid. They let the ball play, and they're very expressive with the ball. So I have Inter's favorites to win this. It's more of a sympathetic pick, but I would not be surprised if Shakhtar upsets them because I I can guarantee one thing. Shakhtar is going to have more possession than Inter Milan because they're a ball-playing side. Yes, and... This week has taught me a lesson. Uh, never underestimate a, a team that, you, you know, on, on, by the book, you, you look at them and say, oh, well, Inter Milan should go, you know, easily on this team, um, should go past this team, uh, past this team easily. But, um, um, again, given this week's experience, uh, I, I got to say that, yeah, I honestly can't predict very well. But knowing Inter Milan and some, how sometimes they break down, especially this is just from, from this season, Serie A, how they break down against teams that are really, really well organized. And it sounds like Shakhtar Donetsk is an organized team. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a problem. And the problem with Inter Milan and Conte in general, why I don't think he's a good modern coach, is because he once his system breaks down, once the team breaks down his system, it's hard for his players and him to adjust to a new tactic. Uh, and we've seen that many times this season. Uh, in the Serie A. So if, if Shakhtar Donetsk can, can get their stuff together and, and they're able to play a very organized game against them, then I, I don't see how Inter Milan is going to break through uh, through this team. Uh, but so given, uh, having said that, I, I just want to get your opinion on the Sevilla-Manchester United game. Uh, what are your predictions for that game? 
Uh, this is going to be a tough one because I have a lot of Manchester United friends and I know how how excited they are for this game. But the truth is, I'm just going to call it a game. Manchester, Manchester United will struggle to get possession in this game. Sevilla, particularly Eva Banega, will have, just from what I saw against Wolves, he's going to be very dominant. And I feel like he, holding him or confining him to spaces and sparses of possession is the is the best chance that Manchester United have of, of having a good game. And this is also, Eva Banega has won two UEFA Europa Leagues, so he's familiar with this competition. And this is most likely, whenever this tournament ends for Sevilla, it's going to be his last game for Sevilla because he's going to be moving to a, 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 league in, a team in Saudi after this game. So I kind of, after this league, so I kind of feel like he would want to leave a very stellar imprint on the Europa League and say, I won it three times as key players in all of three, all of three times I played it. And I just think that Manchester United are a counter-attacking team. That's, that's where they thrive best and can shine best. And I just feel like if they, if they give away possession too quickly, and as we know, they count on penalties to save them, this might be more difficult than they think it is. I think you've just managed to piss off a lot of United fans with a penalty comment. So hopefully your Twitter does not blow up with hate. Hey, the, the truth has to be said, though. It has to be said, right? Yes, yes, you're, you're correct. It's some, some questionable calls, uh, of course. But let's move on to a more exciting and heartbreaking and just crazy uh, league. And that's the UEFA Champions League. Uh, this week, we saw so many upsets, so many heartbreaks. So many, well, one kind of boring game. Um, but let's start out with uh, PSG Atlanta. Uh, I said once in the show, and I'm going to own up to it. I said I believe Atlanta could win the Champions League. Uh, but obviously, that did not happen. Um, and uh, it all boiled down to, what, a few minutes uh, left in the game. And they, were, uh, they, let the, they let the lead slip. And PSG came through. And I would say, though, this is all down to one man. Um, one man's presence, maybe not its playboy's presence, Mbappe. Mbappe kind of pinned them down, and you could see Atalanta kind of give up a little bit when he came on because they were all focusing on him and they had to focus on Neymar. Um, I don't know if PSG is going to go through the next round, but this did not look like a PSG team, like a winning PSG team. Definitely, I echo your sentiments. My thought about that game was definitely heartbreak after at the end of that game i like mbappe and i like what it did what his introduction gave to the psg team but this was a lot of hopes a lot of expectation was on atalanta's side at that point because they had endeared and persevered into the latter stages of the game and i just wanted to see them win it but game management i think that's something that's key atalanta like you've you are like the biggest champion of atalanta and you've said how free-flowing and attacking they are. And watching this game, I feel like they switched from their DNA, from their trademark style, and got a little more cautious, a little more defensive. And also the removal, substitution, injury that happened to Papu Gomez, I feel like that kind of like took them off their game. And from then on, and also Mbappe's introduction, it was just a, it was, an eventuality that, that had to happen at some point, but I feel bad. I feel really bad for them. Kudos to PSG. 
and this if there's any doubt out there i want to just clarify this any doubt out there about who's the youngest who's the best young player in the world let it just be known that mbappe is miles and classes above everyone else like he just took the game and took it away Yes, you're right. I, I, I can't agree with you more because uh, once they lost Papo Gomez also, again, you could see their body language. They, they, you know, it seemed like they were kind of beaten, even though they were up, which is kind of weird. Um, I, and maybe because they were tired, but they completely lost the DNA. Like, I, I saw a defensive at times. Like, this is a team... This is a team that even if they're beating their, their opponents 4-0, they're, they're, you know, you see five players, you know, pressing up the field, and trying to score more goals. So it was very awkward and very weird to see that. Uh, but see, this is the effect of the Champions League, which they don't have experience in. But kudos to, kudos to them. I, I have to give it to them because if you look at their wage bill, if you look at how much they pay, they, they spend, uh, and compare that to, to PSG, I think there was like a stat, I, I can't remember fully well, but it was like Atalanta has spent like, I think 300 plus million since 1991 or something like that. And, early 90s and comparing that to PSG which their current wage bill is, is around you know they spent that around that much in, in just a year so that that shows you the difference between the two teams and that's why I feel like this scoreline doesn't do justice to you know given given the the wage bill gap and it's just so weird to see a team just win 2-1 when you have uh, uh, players like Neymar and uh, Mbappe uh, being fielded but let's move on to uh, what I thought was a rather uh, boring game, uh, maybe just two teams just trying to just, you know, Atletico Madrid just decided that they weren't going to play uh, against Leipzig. Uh, even though they did well, they did well in the beginning, but, to, you know, as the game progressed, they kind of, um, you know, just, just they, ju they just fell. I don't even know where it is. It's just a mental thing. Like, they just could not believe that they could win this game. So I think that kind of affected them. Uh, I, I do want to bring your, your attention to one hot player right now and that's Upema Kano uh, and a lot of people are reading about this guy and also the American that scored um, Adams I know you're a fan of American soccer and, and and the players that play for America and represent America and also play abroad uh, could you give us like a few just just rave about this guy because I know you're about to well Tyler Adams great game came in and definitely his impact was is the reason that Leipzig are moving ahead but you know, I've actually seen, I think, over the uh, post the lockdown, he had like a documentary during the, some of the bully games and I saw him and I was like, definitely doing great. But he, he was, he's a squad player. He's not someone that you would consider like big game player or anything like that. But I just felt like him coming into that game and just the determination, that, that was a lucky goal, no doubt. But taking the game to Atletico Madrid at that level in the quarterfinals just tells you something about him that he wants to play and he wants to help his team win and i think that's a really big deal but let's actually focus on leipzig because it's a boring game no doubt it, and this is why i think leipzig is a wild card because they they are comfortable the way they play but there's nothing too spectacular about them they won it beat atletico madrid scored two goals against a very defensive team without timo Werner, who has like a majority share of all of RB Leipzig goals this season. That just kind of makes me feel like I know they're playing PSG. PSG has not been over. They are not overwhelming favorites, but I think that there's a case to be made that Leipzig might be 
a dark horse that, that will find its way to the final. The big game, bro. Let's get to it. Yeah, and this is the game that, uh, that really shocked me. And obviously, everyone knows the game. It's the Bayern-Barcelona uh, game. Ended up 8-2, um, and it's just ridiculous. And, and again, I, I'm not trying to give myself credit for this, but I've, I've said this time and time again. The teams, like, that, that, like the, the Spanish teams that play this flair soccer, they don't have the mental capacity to be able to win games like these. A lot of at least in the modern day like barcelona has done this what three years in a row or so right now pep folds in important games sometimes and and again it's just the i don't know what it is it's like the barcelona dna they are not they, they need like a winning mentality somebody that can mentally help them uh, uh win games like this or, or just go ahead in games like this and that's exactly what happened in this game I'm not saying that barcelona's defense is not great look at ter stegen for example ter stegen um had did so many mistakes. And if anyone has watched La Liga this season, if you see the passes, the sweet passes, the exquisite passes that Ter Stegen gives under intense pressure, he never caves in. He, he rarely makes mistakes. And this game, he made, I think, what, five mistakes in, like, in the first half. And it was, it was that crazy. And you can, no one can tell me that it's not boiling down to a mental thing. From the beginning, I already knew, they, everyone knew that Bayern was going to win this game. But I think Barcelona came in with that same mindset, which is a weird thing to do. And the thing that didn't help them out was Setien. And this is the problem. I, I, everyone knows that there's a problem in Barcelona's board and the, the, the office upstairs, uh, so to say. But Setien got it wrong from the beginning. And I'm not saying that in hindsight. Like, if you're playing against a team that has pace on the flanks, why are you fielding players like, like Suarez? I, and please, I understand Suarez has that experience, but fielding a player like Suarez against fast-paced defenders, to me, does not make sense. It, it does not make any sense. And, and I think this is where a game where Griezmann could have played as the false number nine and switched around with Messi. And I think from the beginning, from the very beginning, he definitely got it wrong. And I can't feel more sorry for, for my main man, Messi, uh, because this is, I mean, three times in a row, it's just utterly embarrassing. And as PK said in, in, the, in the interview afterwards, something has to change. And actually, I think it may have to start with him. Yeah, and he volunteered himself. So definitely leading style there. But I actually want to go back to something you said earlier. You said that everyone knew that this was Bayern's game. I guess I didn't get the memo because I had said and called in the last episode that Barcelona had a slight advantage over Bayern Munich. And I was called out by a friend and listener of the podcast who was a Bayern Munich fan and just said, do you want to back it up? And I did back it up. But as, as we both know, Bayern Munich beat Barcelona black and blue. So my apologies for even thinking that Barcelona had a chance. But I want to say something. If there was ever a perfect game, I've only witnessed two in my entire life. And it was the 7-1 destruction of Brazil by Germany. And then this game that I saw with Bayern destroying Barcelona. And it just makes me think, I'm not like, it was fluid, it was free-flowing, everything worked. And I just want to say, can Bayern Munich top this performance? Can, can they repeat this kind of performance? I, I, don't, I don't think so. Because again, I believe 
the reason why they won against Barcelona again, and it's just the it's just the DNA of Barcelona to kind of cave in in on in under intense pressure. Um, at least the modern day Barcelona, not the not the previous day Barcelona. This is the modern day Barcelona I'm, I'm referring to here. Um, but against other teams that they're going to come up with against, like Leon, for example. Uh, Leon is a very defensive team, so so I don't know if they can repeat the performance. We're going to get predictions, but I, I believe Bayern Munich is going to win that game. But I just don't see. I don't think they can perform as crazy as intense as they did against Leon because Leon is a very frustrating team. And it's hard to break it down, as we've seen. Thank you. And, and I want to get back to your last conversation, talking about how PK gave up himself for a rebuild. I want to ask you, being a Barcelona sympathizer, what does this defeat mean for Barcelona long term? Do you see a disguise in this defeat that this might be the straw that breaks the camel's back? And you've talked about. Barcelona's breakdown mentality, AS Roma, Liverpool, and now and now Bayern Munich. I think this is the is a sounding defeat. And this actually just makes the point clear and crystal that rebuild is the way forward. What does this mean for Barcelona going forward? Yeah, so I, I would like to break down this way. First of all, um, the president, uh, Bartomeu, is not going to be he's he can't he won't leave, he may not leave unless he resigns uh, next year, because the elections are coming up next year. So that's the way Barcelona like, chooses their president. Um, personally, I think things have to change from the top downwards. Uh, and they've done the right thing by sacking Setien, which, by the way, when, I, remember, I don't know if you remember, but when, I, when they sacked Valverde, I was, I, was, I was saying, like, I don't know why they would do this and replace him with Setien. If they, were, if they, were, if they sacked him and they replaced him with Allegri, then that, that's a different conversation. Um, so... They've done the right thing by sacking him, but I, I do believe, and just like every pundit has said out there, they have to get rid of every like it's almost as if they have to, almost as if they have to get rid of all the board members, the people that make decisions on the players that they have to find. I mean, think about it. You have Coutinho coming to the game, scoring two goals and assisting a, a goal, and, and this is a player that they bought for 100 plus million, and he's scoring against them. So. If you really think about the forwards that they have, okay, they have Griezmann, they have Coutinho, they have Dembele, they have Messi. Let's even count out Suarez because I don't think Suarez should, should stay in this team. I've mentioned four forwards that should do well in a 4-2-3-1 formation. And I'm not saying that they should play that way, but this is a team that you expect to play, you know, very, very good. And, and I don't know what change can happen because of the financial situation that they're in right now. I believe they have to balance the books. And, and obviously they have a, a very huge wage bill on their hands. Um, so honestly, it looks like, like they're in shambles. Like unless, unless somebody, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I, don't, I have no idea how they're going to solve this. But it's almost as if they need to, they have, they, I think they have no choice than to play with what they have right now. Because I don't think they can sign a Neymar or, or Mbappe or any, or any other top player. So unless they get rid of, of Messi, which, which may be a, a, an option, honestly, if you really think about it, because if they get rid of Messi and have somebody pay his bill, his, his wages, I mean, um, then, you know, like, then they have more money to kind of play around and, and get more people. But they have to make do with what they can. And now this is the, this is the thing. This is, very, this is where it's, it gets very uh, uh, important here. They have to find a coach that can make do with what they have. I'm going to give you a a very good example, Pioli of Milan. I'm not saying he should be the coach. I'm just saying Pioli had no choice than to work 
with the players that he had. He came in and he was able to get this team to, to you know, the sixth place in the Serie A. And he worked with what he had. So we just need to find coaches that can work with this set of players, including Coutinho. And I can't think of a better coach than Allegri. And I don't know why the media is not talking about this, but Allegri personally will be the perfect coach to turn this team around. He also has that winning mentality uh, because he's gotten Juventus in the, the Champions League finals several times. So he has that winning menta- mentality. They also, they, it seems like they need some kind of Ibra effect. They need that person because I'll be the first to say Messi is not the best leader. He's not the best motivator. He, he's just merely somebody that, that, that has the skills and just can score goals, you know, if the other people around him are also putting in their, their shit. But they need an Ibra person. They need somebody that will come in and motivate them. And they can get that from a coach also. So I, I'm thinking an Allegri, uh, Diego Simeone, somebody that's going to put fire under them and make them believe that they can win. Because right now, their confidence is so low that I believe our pickup team, <laughs> you know, our, our local pickup team could do damage to this Barcelona. That's how bad Barcelona is playing right now. Yeah, that, that was a lengthy response. Sounds to me like you're satisfied with the team as it is. It's just a matter of getting a very good coach and just making the best, especially given their financial situation, make the best out of what you have right now, which is fair. But I, I've been an outsider looking in at Barcelona. And Barcelona has enjoyed the most successful run in, in the last 10, 15 years. They have, I'm just counting now, 06, 09, 2011, 2015. They've won the Champions League four times in the last 16 years. So that's like a quarter of the Champions League up for grabs. They've gotten it. I think it's time to rebuild. You mentioned something about let, getting rid of Messi just so that they can, they, they, the wage bill is not going to be an issue. They can redirect those, the finances into something else. I think it's time to hit the rebuild button, which was what they did in 06 and actually got them this long era, long period of winning. I think it's time to do that. Making do with the players that they have, Dembele, Coutinho, Griezmann, those actually, you can build with them. But I feel like Messi has seen it all and done it all. And for some reason, I think the the over-reliance and over-dependence on a player of his stature and caliber can be good and bad. And it's good against Napoli when he takes a game and just dazzles. But he's getting older. He may not be able to do that every day. They have to be go-to players on the team. Like you said, Luis Suarez is past it. They have to be go-to players on the team who can still take the game and try to make a difference. And as of right now, I don't see that. And that's where this team has to start building and instilling the mentality into the players who either are on the team or they're going to bring in and say, you are a game changer. You can take the game on and make a difference for this team. That's my take. And I feel like that's something that can help this team. Because I've been outside looking in of how long they've been able to dominate. And if they want something similar to that, I think it might help to just restart. I, I disagree with the rebuilding part. Again, like, okay. I'm looking at the team sheet of this of this Barcelona team. This is a team that can win Champions League easily, okay? And I think I understand that a lot of people are going to say, yes, their defense sucks, right? And, and let's keep in mind, uh, I think this is probably their first loss in the Champions League this year. And always happens every year that 
that they've done this, that they've bustled it, where they've only lost like either zero games or maybe just one game before the, the important game where they lose, right? So this to me shows that it's actually not really the player's problem. It sounds like it's a coach problem. It sounds like it's a motivation problem. It sounds like it's a mentality problem where they need somebody to just come in. I don't know who it's going to be, but they need like, like an Ibra player. Like, Ibrahimovic, and I hate to divert to Milan, but Ibrahimovic came in in January and completely changed Milan. And it's not that this is the same place that we're playing before. And, and what changed is just the mentality. And I think that's the problem with, with the Barcelona right now. Messi does not have that winning mentality, so to say, uh, that Ronaldo has, comparing him to Ronaldo or comparing him to, to Mula. If, if you can have a player like Mula on that team, on that Barcelona team, or, or Ronaldo on that team, this is going to be a completely different team. And I think because they can't bring in players, because they can't, they can't afford to bring in new players, um, they need to, first of all, look in, into La Masia. I'm sure there are players there that they can tap into. Uh, and then they need to bring in the right coach that will, be the, that will bring back that winning mentality. And I think, like, I mean, Sulaiman, look at this sheet, the roster of this team. This team is so good. And the only thing they're missing is really, I think, just the right coach. And I think if they bring in that right coach, and I think Allegri, personally, I think Allegri, and not even Pochettino. I don't know why people think Pochettino is going to uh, you know, turn this team around. Um, but Allegri is the team that can bring, that can make use of Messi's talent right now before he, before he retires. But if they don't do that, if they, if they try to rebuild, then I think what, what's the benefit for Messi to be there? Because he's not going to end up winning anything except for, Maybe, maybe La Liga or maybe the, the, the Spanish Cup. But I don't see how this team cannot, cannot do well with this team sheet. I'm just looking at team sheet. That's all. Find the right coach. I believe this team can do very well. Let's talk about the City Leon game, man. Just happened about 30, 45 minutes ago and it's fresh on my mind. And one thing I want to say is the Manchester City that came to play today is not the Manchester City that lines up in the Premier League. It's, it's a team with a different mentality. That superiority identity that they have in the Premier League, it was not on show today. It was not on display. I saw a team that was timid, a team that had no concrete approach. I mean, this just from what I saw, I didn't see the team that would dominate the ball with intent. I saw a team that would dominate the ball like Arsenal does, where... You just pass around with no no intention of going anywhere, and it, it wasn't so. It was heartbreaking that the loss because I feel like they've wanted this thing, but it wasn't surprising based on what I saw on that field. What are your reactions? Uh, first of all, I, I would like to say it's time for Guardiola. Guardiola to go. I mean, as much as I love his football, it's just not working out in the Champions League. So unless the owners feel like maybe it's fine to just win the EPL and just and just roll with that you know, forever or whatever. Uh, I, I don't see why they want to they, they keep this guy. Uh, although I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm just saying it's just not working out in the Champions League for him. Um, and, and I'm not surprised about the scoreline. Honestly, I'm not. I, I mean, I figured Lyon was actually had a very fair chance to win. I mean, this season, Norwich beat Man City, Southampton beat Man City, uh, Wolves and Manchester United beat, beat Man City. I mean, I'm not surprised that they lost to this team. This is not the first time uh, City has bottled it against relegated side, not relegated side, but like lower side, so to say, uh, for lack of better terms. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, I, and to allude to what you were saying earlier, uh, it seems like Guardiola tried to play something different in the first half, which courageous of him and kudos to him. And that's why I think he's a great coach because he's very dynamic. And I, that's why I love in coaches. That's why I don't like Conte. Um, dynam you know, just dynamism, just being able to be dynamic is very important, but clearly did not work out. And then he switched it out in the second half and, and kind of worked out because they had a lot of the possession. Uh, but as we know, that possession doesn't win the game. It's the goals that win the game. And classic Leon, you know, defensive back. If you watch, I, I don't know if you, I, I mean, I don't know what the stats is, but if you watch this game from the, the first minute to the last minute, you see that I, I felt like I, there were a lot of passes uh, in the center, just between all the center halves and, and, the, and the wing backs of, of City because Leon was sitting so deep, and that's that was the problem. They didn't have. I mean, De Bruyne is is obviously for me one of the best players in the world right now, but he can't do it all, and that was the problem. And and so they needed a few magicians to be able to unlock this defense. And I was a little surprised that David Sevilla didn't actually come on earlier because this that's another magician that could have unlocked this defense. Um. So so my my point of saying all this is I'm not surprised about the scoreline, and honestly, like. I think it's time for for Pep to just maybe even go to 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 City uh, to to Barcelona. Or, you know that that you know they're meant for each other, right? I mean that's not going to work out well, by the way. But I'm just joking about that. But you know, it, I think I think he he it's time for him to go somewhere else and maybe bring on somebody. Maybe City can bring up somebody that can make use of these players and and hopefully maybe in the next few years win the Champions League. Yeah, I agree with you. And I want to add a few points on, on, on just on everything you've said. I agree 100%. I think Pep Guardiola definitely deserves to be mentioned when you talk about the, the inventors of the modern game, the evolution of the game. He definitely gets credit for it. But the psychology of the City team, I don't think they have what it takes to win the Champions League. And that is just saying everything you said. I want to go ahead and also give credit to Chelsea. And you might ask me, why, why give credit to Chelsea? Chelsea, I think they, they, started, they, they got the newly reached status in 2004. And they were in the Champions League final in 2008. Four years and they were in the Champions League final. That is probably the most rapid rise you would ever see. I just want to call that out. And also, they won it in 2012. Manchester City, this project started in 2008. It's been 12 years. And there's no semifinal in sight. Maybe they've actually made a semifinal once and they lost to Liverpool. But you just see the difference between these two teams. Now, when you talk about the brand of football, I want to associate myself with the City brand because it's free-flowing, nice to watch. But I just want to recognize what Chelsea did because it seems easy. It took them how long? Eight years? And they had, they're a Champions League winner. So, But like you said, Pep, it's time for him to to move on just for the sake of maybe City wants to win the Champions League, try another strategy. He's been proven in the Premier League. It doesn't, there's nothing left to prove there, but I don't think the psychology of this team is at a level where they can win the Champions League. Another thing I want to add, and this is just in general about all these single elimination games, I want to get your reaction. I, I didn't realize how boring Champions League knockout stages were until this week. It's a single elimination game. You come out there and you play. 
and you have to score, or if you get scored on, there is no second chance. And it makes the game more enjoyable, more exciting. What do you think? I mean, I cannot agree with you more. Like, I mean, you are completely right. It kind of feels like a World Cup if you really think about it. Like, you know, the, after the round of 16 and it goes in the quarterfinals, it feels just like that. You know, the World Cup is exact. It feels just like a World Cup, which, and, which is why the World Cup is very, very exciting. Um, and, and so, yes, I completely agree. Uh, I think this one elimination thing is definitely making it very, very much interesting. And this is why it seems like Atletico Madrid uh, the, the style of play may not work well for them because, you know, they sit back the whole time and then maybe they go to penalties and, and they win that or, or not. So, but uh, yeah, very exciting. And it's, I mean, it, it's great that this is even happening on the weekends when we have time to actually watch this game uh, without, you know, working. Most definitely. And I hope somehow this, this style can continue. We'll have to see how they decide that. But let's talk about the semis now. The, 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 stage, is, the stage is set. We know who's going to face who. PSG Leipzig. What are your expectations of this upcoming game? Yeah, again, very tough because you know, it depends on the, the head, head um, the mentality of, of Neymar here uh, and Mbappe if, if he's fully fit. Um, I actually don't know if he's going to be playing or not. Uh, from the beginning, uh, but I think with a, you know, when you have Neymar and Mbappe, it just the defenders think one another way because they they just think, oh man, we have two of the greatest players in the world right now on the same team against me. Um, so so that could also affect the, the mentality of Leipzig. But never say never. Um, the, the PSG's weakness is their defense, which again Leipzig could just launch a counter attack and that could be it. Uh, but I would say this one thing that people didn't realize or maybe have not realized is Verratti. Verratti is a very key player for PSG here. Um, he was, I believe, suspended for the last game. Um, but I believe he's going to be back in this game. And that is the problem. And this is what's going to pin RB Leipzig back. Uh, yeah, because, you know, Verratti has, he, he has the eyes. You know, yeah, he's just kind of like a, you know, he's like a Pirlo. Obviously not as good as Pirlo, but it's kind of like a Pirlo where he can just find people easily. Uh, and I think that's key because if you have the RB, Le- RB Leipzig players try to play an offside trap or they try to press higher or they try to move up higher or, or bring up the offside line higher, then you, you, know, you have the fastest player, one of the fastest players in the game, Mbappe, going to just run behind them and it will be Verratti finding him. So they have to be careful there. And this is where I think uh, you know, Leipzig may kind of want to sit back a little bit because of that fact. Uh, but... Having said that, honestly, it's a 50-50 chance. Um, it, it really de- just depends on Neymar, uh, ultimately, because if Neymar decides to miss, you know, solid chances like he did last game, then it's not going to happen for them. So uh, I would say it's a 50-50 right now. Yeah, I, I think this is full strength, PSG. Everyone's back. No excuses and no exceptions. So I think, I think PSG will get the edge. With that being said, though, Sabitzer for Harvey Leipzig, I think can make a difference in the middle of the field, just making life, life a little difficult for the PSG players, making, not giving them enough time on the ball and also finding these this passes and just linking up with the forwards, Yusuf Paulson, and seeing what can happen. But it's hard to say. We're going to have to see what happens. But PSG look like they're full strength and... This, I mean, it, it can't get any 
more any easier any more promising than this for them so hopefully not even hopefully we'll just see what happens let's talk about Bayern and Leon though what are your thoughts yeah so again like we said last time with Bayern and Barcelona this is logic logic and I don't think anyone will disagree with me logic tells you that Bayern Munich is going to win this game but as we've known Leon has done this against Juventus. They've done this against Manchester City. I'm not saying that these two teams are as good as Bayern Munich this season. I'm just saying Leon seemed to always have the key to unlock the big teams. And I would not be surprised in the slightest. I would, I, like, I would not be surprised at all if Leon actually goes past this team. And that could mean maybe even go, he goes into penalties because the way Leon plays is they sit back and wait for, for the press. And the way... Bayern Munich plays. They have a very high line, and they try to, you know, you know, you know attack and just pressure and attack and pressure. Now, uh, it can be, it can be is very fast. So we have the same issue here, where you have Kimmich on the right side, and Kimmich is not as fast as it can be. So if somehow um, Kakare or, or somebody in the midfield is able to find a can be. Um, that, that could be it. It could be just that one goal, and Leon has the keys to frustrate big teams, and I wouldn't put it past them to, to go past Bayern Munich. But with that said, I still give this, the edge to, to, to Bayern Munich because obviously, again, that's logical, and I think the way they're playing and the momentum they have uh, uh, shows and should tell you that they will move past them, but don't count Leon out. That's all I'll say. Definitely. I, I'm thinking along the same lines, and when we're doing the review of the Bayern in Barcelona game, I intentionally didn't say anything about the Bayern Munich players. Why? Because there's really nothing to be said. They played a perfect game. Everyone gets a 10 out of 10 in that game that they played. So everyone had a really good game. And I asked you, can they repeat it against Leon? Well, really, they don't even have to have a perfect game to beat Leon. But from what I saw with Leon playing City, they're just an unpredictable team. They will fight for everything from zero to 90. And Bayern's a great team. Bayern is a better team. But on the night, it's just one game. I cannot, I cannot slam dunk say Bayern's going to win it. Bayern are favorites. They're by far the best team left in this competition right now. But from what I saw with Leon, could they make life difficult for... Bayern Munich, absolutely. Could they beat Bayern Munich in 90 minutes? Absolutely. And I, I just think that this, it's not a fairy tale, but it's, it's such a feel-good run that Bayern Munich are having right now. And we can go back a little bit and talk about when they fired Kovac to, and how they got to this point. So it's been really good. Everything has been like nice and fine and just a good feel. And it just... I don't know. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I don't know if shedding fruits the word that I'm looking for, but it just could be that Leon might be the nemesis. Yeah, I would not be surprised. I mean, we've seen we've seen uh, surprising results, so I, I wouldn't put it past them. But we'll see what happens. This is very exciting for us, the viewers, because you know we get to see a very entertaining game, and I can't wait for it. Yeah, and with that, we are now on my favorite segment of this episode. It's called The Random Fact. Bori just pulls one interesting fact out of his heart. He has a lot of them there, and he shares with the listeners. 
Bori, what do you have for us this week? Yes, I'm sticking with the team that just played, and that's Leon. Uh, specific play is Memphis Depay. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but he used to wear Depay on the back of his shirt uh, for a long time, but then he decided to change it to Memphis. And the reason was because he doesn't talk to his dad anymore. I think there's a, you know, a strange relationship between them. Um, but it's just sad to see that things like that happen. But, hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do. That is interesting. And it, it's sad. I hope, I hope things get mended between families. Yeah, it is, it is part of life. And I think part of the reason why when I heard it, it was kind of like, oh, I didn't even notice. But it is interesting because I don't know if you know this, but Daily Ali does exactly the same thing. So for the same reason, actually. So it's very interesting to hear that. And yeah, I just hope everyone, you know, finds peace and are happy with their decisions. Yes, you're completely right. Actually, I remember reading that story a long time ago because obviously Daily Ali, his, his dad is Nigerian. So as Nigerians, we have to know, we have to keep track of all our fellow Nigerians. Isn't that right, Suleiman? Yes, sir. That's it. <laughs> all right. So, so with that being said, Bori, we've come to the end of this show today and I want to thank everyone for listening in and also being a part of, I think this episode for me is shocking. Thank you for walking through the shock with us. I promise you this is soccer. Things change in a minute. It's a weakling sport. And I, I guarantee you even that next week is going to be even more interesting because you never know who's going to upset who. And with that being said, we're going to round it off and say, find us on Twitter at FuckOfficialSP and also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And you can email us at FuckOfficialSoccerPodcast at gmail.com. It's been nice bringing this to you and we'll see you again next week.